Madrid podcast. I'm going out because I need to change my life. Yes! What's going on, guys? It's Adam here from the Bulldoge Podcast. Welcome to episode 69. That's right, we finally hit the magic. Finally hit that magic number. And today we're going to be diving into something really deep, actually. Something that has a lot of context. This is coming straight from the old Graham. Shout out to the Graham if you guys aren't following me there. That's at Tang one double Tang one And it's about, you know, the, this idea of finding yourself and what that really means and what my thoughts are on that because I've got some pretty... Uh, I've got some pretty strong things to say about that as to even the idea of of finding yourself versus maybe creating yourself. Let me honey dick you there. There's, that's where we're probably going to go. Because, like, you know, I've, I've looked at this message. I've looked at this message and I'm going to read this message out. No names, no names mentioned because it's very personal. But when I looked at this and I felt like, well, this is my initial reaction. I want to get at this, but Poto, it's much more expansive. There's so many things I want to dive into that I just could not personally type out to this guy. So even if zero point, even if no one else gets value from this, I'm sure someone will, but even if so, I know there's one guy out there listening to this that I'm diving in for him. And that's where it's going to get real personal without revealing identity. That's where I'm going to dive into a whole bunch of different shit to do with you know, finding it's it's got a lot of purpose shit. This topic today has a lot to do with purpose in life. It has a lot to do with who you're going to become in life. And when you ask yourself, like, you know, maybe you should even ask yourself right now, just before we begin this potter, am I in that mindset of trying to find myself? And what does that even mean to me? And if you are doing that, what does that, you know, what does that, what, what does that mean? Because it's not the way I look at life. It's not personally the way I look at life. And that's what we're going to go into in this potter you know, dive into those ideas. I probably tagged on with the title, something to do with also true happiness. You know, maybe it's like Potter 69, finding your purpose, sorry, finding yourself and true happiness. So maybe we'll attack this in like a kind of two prong kind of, I don't know, one, two punch combo here with like, we're going to start off with this idea of finding yourself. And then we'll finish off with whatever true happiness is, my ideas on what happiness is, how you go about finding that, how you about ex- go about executing that and bring that into your life, whether that means a whole bunch of, holy shit, holy shit, the sun just came out of nowhere. I'm sure I've just burnt everyone's eyes on YouTube. Chota mate. Okay, now that the intro is out of the way and now that Zeus or whoever runs the sky just unleashed a lightning bolt of sun into my face, into your face, <laughs> that came out of nowhere. It's been like overcast and raining all day. But of course, as soon as we start recording the pot, sun comes out. That actually always happens. I'm not going to say the universe, but I'm going to say the universe. So yeah, today I hope you guys are doing super well. It's been a minute since the pot. Been doing a lot of boot camps lately. Been doing a lot of high production videos lately. And uh, you guys have been enjoying that. But it's time to get back to the pot. Time to get back to the wheelhouse and dive into some real deep thoughts here with you guys. And God knows. The Lord Jesus knows that that sun is going to go away and it's going to go black. So I might have to reset that in a second as well. But anyways, so I'm going to start off with this Instagram message from the old Graham. I'm going to read this out. I'm going to read out my response to him and then I'm going to dive off into wherever we want to dive off into. So let's get this. <clears throat> I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him M. I'm just going to call him M as in uh, M&M's. Hey man, quick question. I'm going through a tough time finding myself and happiness in general. What would you recommend? Your response really can be life-changing to me. And I responded by saying, we all go through this flux you're feeling. What I personally do is cut out all distractions and get back to why it is that I'm even alive. 
my sole purpose in life. That keeps me grounded. Everything else only pulls away from me, uh, pulls away, pulls me away from that. Let me say that again. Everything else only pulls me away from that. So have a night on your own to remind yourself why you wake up each day. And that's, you know, that's literally what I go through. You know, that's not just like some regurgitated shit. It's like every single day. This is just me talking for those of you that aren't watching. This is not what I'm writing. But, you know, that's what I go through every single day. I remind myself every single fucking day. Why did I even bother to wake up this morning? It's like in part of my mental routine uh, each morning. And so maybe we'll dive into more of that afterwards as well as to the mental routine that helps set one up for a day of creation. Yes, I'm already honeydicking you guys as to where I'm going to go with this because I really don't vibe with the idea of finding yourself. Like you can see in his question here, hey man, quick question, I'm going through a tough time finding myself. And there's a whole loop I want to go on with that, but we need to. I just want to finish off this message thread. So that was the end of my message and he responded to me saying, thanks man, on some real shit, I think you might have just helped save my life. I just needed a simple, real response that could help me through this. Thank you and I hope you continue to help people this way. And I responded to him by saying, if you're still breathing, you still have a shot at happiness. Something to remember if things get dark for you. I'm blessed to have played some role for you. Eyes up with his name. So, yeah, let's let's keep that. So, as you can see, it's a two-pronged thing. It's a one-two. It's a, uh, it's a left jab, right cross combo here of, we're going to talk about this idea of finding yourself. And we're also going to talk about what I really think true happiness is, what happiness is, where that comes from. Because there's, there's a lot of different uh, schools of thought on happiness. There's many books. Many a book. You can head down to any bookshop and you'll probably find, I don't know, 20 different titles all instructing on how to find happiness. And actually, uh, the Dalai Lama's... I've even got a book right here. Martin Seligman, uh, psychologist, at the book here, Authentic Happiness. I've got so many books on happiness. I've read up on happiness. <laughs> it's an important thing, right? It's an important thing to get in on. Let me put my phone down. Okay, so so he's, he's saying he's had a tough time trying to find himself. And, you know, when I thought about that, did, did I even respond? I don't think I did. That's why I saved it for this potter. Yeah, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even touch this idea of finding yourself because I, I realized that this is going to need some real, ex, real explanation. So you just, let's go straight into it. When I hear that idea, when I hear that term, when I hear that concept, and it's quite a, it's quite a, almost cliche, it's almost a cliche way of, I guess the mainstream kind of portraying how we as human beings go throughout our lives trying to find ourselves. And this is my issue. This, well, this is the first thing at least. That the idea of a finding yourself approach towards life is that it's a vicious cycle because there is no one to be found. And when I went back and I just thought about that idea of like finding yourself, why is it that I, I first asked myself, why is it that I've never really viewed life that way? Why do I, and why does it kind of repel me as well when I hear that term finding myself? And why would I, why does that just not even compute in my thought process of finding myself? Well, because I really, there's no one to be found. There, there is no magical, covered up, just hiding away, stronger, more compassionate, more empathetic, more joyous, more happy, more successful, you know? more shredded, <laughs> more anything, more whatever you want, then it's not hiding anywhere. A more successful version of you is not hiding within yourself that you just haven't quite seen yet or that you just you just haven't hit the right combination of buttons like on GDA of like XX, square, square, triangle, zero, R1 to the right analog stick, 
right, circling counterclockwise, like to access the cheat codes in GDA. I don't think that's what life's like personally. And so let me tag back here to this idea of the vicious cycle of the finding yourself mentality. And when I look at people, oh, that's a tangent. Hold on. Let me stay on this. I was going to talk about people, other people that I see, but let me stay on this. Because there is no one to be found, in my opinion, there is someone to be created. And that's what I'm going to dive into on part two of this. There is someone to be created. That's how I view life. But I don't feel like there's someone to be found. I don't feel like there's some random occurrence of events that could ever happen that would lead you to finding, oh, there's the successful me. Oh, shit. There's the more, there's the happier me. I found him now. I found him, Adam. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I've never seen that happen for anyone else. And this vicious cycle is that because you're always in this perpetual loop of, I'm trying to find this better version of me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find this happier version of me. I'm trying to find this more successful version of me. You never find him. You will never find him because he's not hiding away somewhere. You were not born with him. He was not laid dormant at some particular moment ready to rise from the ashes within you. And so you never find him. You never find that, which keeps you searching, which keeps you in that loop of, well, got to keep searching, got to keep finding, got to keep finding. And then one day I will get there. If I keep looking and I keep looking for this better version of myself, I will get there one day. But you never do get there because he's not there. And this is where we tag into, well, then how do you go about it? Well, I've dropped it before, creation. I look at life as a process of creation. I look at, when you come back to my, ter- my, uh, my temple analogy, right? the one that I just, this, I'm a ride or, de- my die. Ride or die. That didn't come out right. I was going to say ride or day. Ride or die. You know, it's the way that I view life in general. This idea of the temple, which is that the temple is not some, for those of you that don't know what the temple is, because I think I probably need to explain this at the beginning, just in case you've come to this pod or maybe it's the first pod you've listened to. When I say the temple, right, the temple is how I view life, really and who you are in life, and that the temple is a process of construction. Uh, Even right there, it's a process of construction, creation. It's categorized into roughly four different segments. For me, it's the physical, it's the mental, it's the social, and it's, you can call purpose, right? Whatever you feel like your reason for living is, you know, there's that, you can, some people might refer to that as spiritual. You can attach whatever different words you want to it, but for me, it's like life is broken up really into those four different categories, you know, your physical well-being, mental well-being, social well-being, which includes romantic and dating, all that stuff, family, all that, and friendships, business, networking, that stuff. But then you've also got this purpose thing. And I guess that's really what we're kind of diving into here. So that's my idea of the temple. And that's the external temple. There is an inner garden. There is an inner temple, which refers to a whole different bunch. Of, it's a whole different thing, actually, which is more on the, more on the, um, more on the mentality side of things. You're in a core, like, it's and actually I can't even sum it up in, in a brief sentence because it needs its own potter. But let me I gotta reset this camera, so we'll come back. You know, so let me just say this: the inner temple is basically how you maintain a firm gripping on the fact that, well, who am I? You know that question of who am I? Am I Adam? Am I my body? Am I consciousness? That that's the inner temple shit. But if you just want to look at the external temple, the the building you go to work on each and every day that includes all those different those four different factors I mentioned, I don't think the temple is hidden within some forest, like some fully well-built temple is just being secluded, sequestered off into this nice little rich piece of the Amazon jungle that no one's ever seen before. No one's ever seen this extremely well-built temple that where well, the physical is just on point, the mental is just on point, your mentalities, right? 
you just just and let's stay with the analogy here, but keep crossing it back to what it really means, which is who that is for you as a person, right? This idea because this is the cross analogy, which is that people that go through life thinking that I got to find myself, in a sense that I've got to find my find that more successful part of me, find that happier part of me, find this stuff that's just I know it's there, but I can't quite get to it. No. It's either there or it's not there. It's either it's been worked on day after day after day, created after day after day after day, or it hasn't. Right? There is no, there is no shortcuts. I guess is what I'm saying here. You don't just become the type of person with high level successful mentalities in terms of well, well even if you just want to draw it to girls, like because that that's a very broad umbrella, high level successful mentalities. But they could, you could draw that into each individual section of the temple. Let's just take it with girls. You don't just become the type of guy that has low-level neediness that comes to a girl with this win-win mentality. That comes to a girl with, all right, I'm going to maintain, I'm going to maintain my masculine stronghold frame right here, and allow for that masculine to feminine polarity. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall into the short-term traps. I'm not going to fall into the short-term pleasure of things that might be nice right now, but, you know, maybe three months down the track would actually push her away from me, you know, such as dropping my fitness, such as dropping my business stuff and my purpose in life in general and putting her above my purpose in general. You don't just become that guy, right? No, that part of your temple, you need to go and lay brick every single day. Every single day, a new brick needs to get laid. It's not like you just all of a sudden, you walk and you walk and you walk throughout this life and you stumble upon by some random occurrence, this better version of yourself, right? Your, this, this version of yourself that you would like to be. It's just not how it works. At least in, not in my experience and at least in not the experience of successful people that I have studied. This is something that I was going to mention before. That if you look at other successful people, you seldom... I can't think of a successful person that I know whose story goes along the lines of, yeah, I went through a good 10, 15 year process of just finding myself. And then one day, one day, Adam, one day, I found him. I found him. I found him. He was lying there. He was lying in a ditch. He was lying in a ditch with a little Chinese hat, little Chinese rice field worker hat, just slightly tilted, slightly tilted over his eyes. And I knelt down and I knelt down to his eye level. He's on the ground and he just slightly tipped his chin Slightly just his chin up, which showed me those eyes, those panther-like eyes, those bloodlust eyes that goes, I'm the man that you've been looking for. No, no, that, that's not, a, you can see how it just kind of, it gets me so passionate. It gets me so t- just fired up because it's such a mistake, in my opinion. In my opinion, it's such a mistake to walk through this life thinking that you'll find yourself one day. I just don't see that happening. The way that I do see it happening, personally, the way that I've done it myself, and the way that I have studied other people who are very successful, is that they went through painstaking measures to create themselves on the daily. Please let that sink. Successful people don't wait for things to happen to them. They happen to things. It's one of my, that's an abbreviation. That's an abbreviation of a quote. I should say a paraphrase of a quote. I'm going to go get the real quote now. Um, Who is it? I think it's Leonardo da Vinci that said that. Let's test the memory. Let's test the memory. I'm just hopping into my Evernote here to find them my uh, important quotes. 
it's pretty recent one, so it won't take me long to find, but that was my paraphrase, my shortening of a, of a really important quote by Leonardo. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Leonardo da Vinci. It had long since come to my attention that people of accomplishment rarely sat back and let things happen to them. They went out and happened to things. Leonardo da Vinci. So, you know, he's just got a longer way of saying it, but my memory's still on point because I've drilled that into myself is that successful people, they happen to things. They don't live life thinking that, that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, just randomly, just randomly, I will become the type of person that will attract a high value girl. Just by random occurrence, by random chance, I will become the type of guy that is fit to instruct and lead other men and women and children throughout this life. You don't become that by finding that. No, you become that by creating that. And you know, it's like I want to draw to um I want to draw to someone like Gary Vee for a second. Now, Gary Vee's like blown up in the last year, year and a half, two years specifically, but I was following him a long time before that. I think I've been uh, I think I discovered Gary probably getting close to four years ago now, maybe five, before he really started to take over social media. And, you know, I was so inspired by his story right from the beginning. You know, that the the way that he came up was that, I'm not sure if he, no, he, I think he finished high school, but he went to work in his dad's wine, his wine shop from a really young age, from like, I think it was like, was it 12 or 13, like part-time or something? But then eventually didn't even go really through college, maybe did like a few semesters at college. And then, went to work full time for how many years was it? Was it 10 years? It was like from age 18 to age 30, something like that, where he built wine library uh, from, you know, the, the three, $3 million business to $60 million business. You guys know the spiel if you know Gary's thing. But anyways, he didn't, Gary didn't become the guy that Gary became by trying to find himself. You know, it's like when I look at that, like if you even like, if I was to sit down with him and maybe one day I will, Maybe one day I will sit down with Gary and I'll shoot this at him. I'll shoot this idea at him and go, hey man, what do you think about the idea of finding yourself versus creating yourself? And if I was to sit down in front of him, the reaction I would imagine getting from him would just be like a shake of the head. Just like a shake of the head and his eyes just like getting fire, just like fire burning through his eyes. When I look at people like Richard Branson, right, who's just a straight hustler, just a straight hustler. When you, If you guys don't know Richard Branson's story, you know, the... um the CEO of Virgin and all of what Virgin is, right? If you go back, uh, I listened to it in the audio book, uh, The Virgin Way. The Virgin Way was the first stuff I ever really read of him. And the way that he created Virgin was, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Like, I'll just kind of brief the short story here. Was that the, the way that the Virgin Airlines started, Virgin Airlines started was that I'm not sure which country he was in. It was like, I think it was Fiji. It could have been Fiji. It was a tropical country though. And he was on holidays, he's on holidays, and for some reason, I don't know whether it was the weather or whether it was the plane was out of maintenance, something like that, whatever the reason was, the plane wasn't able to take off on on departure scheduled time. So here's a whole plane of people, I think it was like 100, 150 people that are all put out, they can't leave this island because the plane's not operating. So what he does is he goes, hmm, well, here's an opportunity, what if I go and hire a plane? What if I go hire a source, another plane, an external plane, right? And I get everyone to chip in a certain amount. Because listen, it's either we're going to stay here and we're going to waste, all waste our time or we all just chip in a certain amount and we all can all get off this island. So he went and did it. He went and sourced another plane on the island and he got everyone to chip in. I don't remember how much it was, but everyone paid their due. 
and they got off the island and that was the beginning of Virgin. Now, he didn't, it, if you just look at that story, if you just look at that story, there's two things going on. There's obviously the tactical mechanical aspect of the find verse creation, right? He, he wasn't going to just search around the island. Where is this Richard? Where is this Richard that could possibly maybe create a successful situation out of this? No, he goes, well, I'm going to create a situation out of this. The situation currently is not working, so I'm going to create my own way and plow through this, and we're going to get through this. He created, and so that's on the mechanical, tactical side of things, but if you look at it on an internal side of things, what he probably did not know at that moment, looking back, I'm sure he can look back now, because, you know, fucking Adam, almost 25-year-old Adam sitting down in South Australia can piece it up, or I can piece it up looking at what was happening to him mentally there. Like, look at what was happening to him mentally is that he was creating a more resourceful, a stronger, a more resilient, and just a more forward-thinking version of himself in that moment. And you can start to see where happiness builds in. When I'm drawing these case references to Gary, to, to Richard, right, you can start to see where happiness comes from. And, you know, and I told, uh, I've got to make sure I don't use his name. I told him here that for me that, you know, when, when you feel like you go through these fluxes in life, a lot of the times, and you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. I, I go through fluxes as well, where, you know, where you question like what the hell's going on in this life. And every time that I do that, I always come back to, well, hang on, Adam, hang on. Why did you wake up this morning? That always keeps me grounded. But let me tag back here. You can start to see how these types of people that are on this creation process, you look at Gary, well, I'm just going to fucking hustle. I'm going to create this person of me that is worthy of being the type of guy that can read people, that can read patterns, that can read customer patterns and then create a business out of this, right? Even look at that. It's not find a business. It's not find a business. It's create a business because there is no finding. I need you, M, if you're listening to this, let go of this idea of finding yourself because it is a vicious cycle because there is no one to be found. You will just perpetually be going on and on and on throughout this life, constantly disappointed, constantly just coming up short. But if you get onto this creation process of like, well, every single day, I'm going to dedicate myself to building a better temple, not trying to find a better temple somewhere in the jungle, but actually, well, let's look at what we've got here. Let's look at what cards we've been dealt in life and let's build a better version of that each and every single fucking day. Let me reset this camera. All right, I got a little excited there. No, I'm excited there. Hope you guys enjoyed the motivational rant. <laughs> oh man, you know, I go hard when I go hard. What can I say? So I think that's like the first part I wanted to tag up. I wanted to piece up. I think that's been explained nicely. There shouldn't be any questions after that. And uh, and so this idea of true happiness now. This idea of true happiness, and, and there are there are other tangents. Don't, if you feel like this podcast is maybe only going to last like another ten minutes, maybe I don't know, maybe. But you know, things always pop up. It's that's never the case. Things always pop up. But you know, I want to talk about. He was talking about uh, finding happiness as well. So let me just ref. Let me just ref back to his message here. Uh, I'm going through a tough time finding myself and happiness in general. Yeah. So oh, I, well, hang on a second. Before I knew we, we I knew we were skipping steps. I knew we're skipping steps. We need to talk about what the creation process even looks like. You know, I've talked about that that's what you actually need to do, but what does that even mean? What does it mean to go through the creation process each and every single day? And because, you know, we've heavily gone into what it means to not do that. Right? What does that look like? Well, what that looks like for me 
is that every single piece of my day has a definite purpose. Each and every single piece. And let me give you guys a straight reference. The very first thing I do, and this is not going to be an entire morning routine video or an entire morning routine potter. I've already done that, although it's probably very different now because it's always evolving. I, th- I did a potter on the morning and night routines, uh, but it's definitely changed. It's def- it changed a lot, actually. So I want to dive in right here. Look at this right now. The first thing I do, well, one of the first things I do, because if you really want to look at the first thing I do, is that I wake up with no alarm clock. I wake up to, well, I wake up to nature's alarm clock, which is the birds. And I'm lucky that I live next to a whole bunch of trees. So there's plenty of birds. And so that's when this, my natural circadian rhythm will wake me up because that means the sun's rising. And so naturally, when you think about it on an evolution-based sense, whoop, sorry, I thought someone's at the door. When you look at it on an evolution-based sense, right? I, I, I know this might seem like a bit of a tangent, but it's going to explain why I do this thing. So just stay with me here. So I, I go to bed, you know, I, so you got to explain why. There's so much backstory. Well, let me just, let me keep it at the morning then because the night is what leads into the morning. But forget that because that's way too much of an tangent. We'll get to that some other time. But okay, so I wake up with no alarm clock and that's pretty much on the sun. It's on the sun and on the birds, which at the moment down in Australia, it's roughly 6 a.m. Roughly 6 a.m. is when the first birds start chirping. It's when sunlight starts to break. Now, what that does to me is that it doesn't jack up my adrenaline and cortisol levels. It allows me to naturally arise, not in a fight or flight response, which is what happens when you have this alarm that's going, eh, 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 which is what I used to wake up in high school. Uh, I'm sure there's much nicer alarms now. Um, you know, you can you know, hit up your own ringtones, but, you know, so I waking up with naturals. And then I probably spend about 10, 15 minutes just listening to the birds just present in that moment. You can consider that meditation. It is meditation, but I don't really think of it as meditation. I'm just allowing my natural rhythm of things to get online. Then, this is what I really want to talk about here. I just I had to explain that because it's not like this is the very first thing I do. But it's once I've woken up, right, 10 minutes in, I go straight into a cold shower. Now, this is new. This is something that I've been doing for, I would say, two weeks now. I would say two weeks in a row. And it's been like every single day in a row for two weeks. Might be a little bit longer. And what I've been doing is that the first thing that I do after this like natural wake up process is that I go straight into a cold shower. And I mean like, I don't, I don't, and also my window is open throughout the night. It's open in the morning and we're getting real cold here. So I'm sleeping in a cold room. I don't go warm up first. I don't go into the warm shower first. I don't do any of that. I don't do any warm up. I don't do any training. I just go straight into the cold shower. No matter how cold it is, no matter how dark it may seem, I'm going straight into that cold shower and I just blast myself. Now, the thing with the cold shower is that there's a, an abundance of physiological benefits that are coming from that in terms of metabolism, in terms of anti-cancer, in terms of destroying and getting rid of uh, dormant cells that are just not doing anything. And also your immune system, the benefits that come from that. Check out Wim Hof, all right? There's so many benefits that come from cold showering. However, that's not why necessarily I'm doing it. Why I'm doing it is because I don't want to. The why I'm doing it is because the hardest part of the cold shower is not the actual dealing with the cold. The hardest part of the cold shower is getting yourself out of the warm bed, right? That toasty warm bed, which actually isn't that toasty, which I've been trying to do more and more these days, because what I realize is that it makes the cold shower slightly easier if I don't sleep in a warm room. Like if I sleep in a freezing cold room, it makes it slightly easier to get out of bed, but that's the hardest part. So look at it here. Why have I gone into this? I've gone into this because this is the creation process that I've made it a directive that from the moment I wake up, 
in this life that I'm taking control. I'm taking control of my development. I'm taking control of my self-cultivation. That I don't allow for random things to pop in, right? And you know, this might sound a little too military. Yet some days of the week, you know, maybe rarely though. Like on a Sunday, I'll I won't have to do the cold shower immediately. Maybe I'll get up. Maybe I'll get up and jump on the rings for a little bit or something. Or maybe I'll maybe I'll just listen to some music first. But during the weekdays. It's actually Monday to Saturday. It's really only one day a week. I'll probably chill a little bit. But Monday to Saturday, it's the very first thing that I do and that I've been doing lately is that I'm just going to do this cold shower. I'm going to force myself to do something that I don't want to do, right? And then, so there's obviously the host of physiological benefits, but it's the mental gains that I love that each and every day I get 0.1% better at getting out of bed. That is... Because I have no problem getting out of bed, but I have a big problem two weeks ago getting out of bed to go straight into a cold shower. Not even to just kind of, you know, do a bit of yoga or do a bit of work on the rings, you know, because, well, you might be thinking, well, what were you doing two weeks before that? Well, what I was doing two weeks before this is that I was getting up and going straight to hang on the rings and go into my morning routine out on the grass. And then I would cold shower after that. So at least I've had my, my body's had time. But you know, that's not as nearly a difficult decision to make once you've already warmed up to go into a cold shower. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, it fucking is. Okay, maybe it is. And probably at a certain time, it was for me as well. But there's levels to this shit and you're constantly getting better and better. And I don't want to plateau because what's happening right now is that in this little two-week process, I've been doing it every single morning without fail for the last two weeks, going straight into this cold shower. What I'm noticing is that it's starting to get easy and not the cold. Obviously, that's getting easier as well. Like it is, because obviously my body's starting to self-regulate temperature much better. I'm not taking as many deep breaths as I used to. It's just I can't take one big deep breath, and I'm good. I'm good, right? Which means my body's starting to adapt. It's good. My body's getting better and more efficient at dealing with oxygen and heating up the oxygen in my body and heating up the cells. It's good. But however, that's obviously getting easier. But what's more noticeable is that my decision to get out of bed and not procrastinate. You know, instead of like maybe like an extra minute of listening to the birds, no, straight in, straight in. And it's like, how quick can I do it without triggering cortisol and triggering too much adrenaline? You know, I still want to have that that phase, that 10-minute phase from opening my eyes to actually moving my body so that I just have time to naturally wake up on my circadian rhythm. You know, I want that. I don't want it. To, it's not military where, where a sergeant's literally going to take you out of bed and hose you down. It's not that. There is a 10-minute... Uh, phase there because there are some negative benefits I believe that will come from just too much raised cortisol of that I guess a bit excessive it's a bit excessive I'm not going into war but but so you see that and so I was talking about plateaus here this is starting to become easy for me now so I'm going to start to look for ways to be this for this to become more difficult and what I've been researching is you know getting some wine barrels getting some wine barrels and instead of now, because the water is not really getting cold enough anymore, the decision's getting too easy, well, what would be harder? What would be harder? What would force me to create a better version of myself that would force me to become more uncomfortable, that would force me to have to make a harder decision each morning? Well, what if I have to jump into an ice bath every single morning? Not just a cold shower, but an ice bath, right? So maybe the, I head down to the old the bloody food works and I pick up a couple bags of ice each night. So it's ready there in the morning. And I've got this wine barrel out the back. I load it up with the hose, freaking cold water, filled up with 80% ice. Just jump into that. And you're probably in the last like five seconds. Probably the last five seconds, my body probably can't even adapt at that time. But 
But the decision, because listen, even if you think about it right now, and if I think about it right now, the decision to go into a cold shower versus straight out of bed, pretty much, you know, out of bed, first thing you're going to do versus going into an ice bath outside, right? Outside as well. That scares the fuck out of me. Like it scares the shit out of me even just talking about it, but I want to do it. Like it's like, I want to do it. So that's what I'm researching right now. So I'm already thinking ahead and this is really where I was going with this. Where I'm going with this is that I'm already thinking ahead of how I can keep the creation process of becoming a better version of myself each and every day going so that I don't have those plateaus. So that I don't have those plateaus. And is there, to tag back here, is there any anything of what I just said? Does that, do you, do you feel any sense of finding myself in any of that? No, it's all creation. It's all creation because, you know, adversity, adversity in this life, that's where the freedom comes from, right? You want to look at Jocko Willink, you know, his, uh, his mantra, his motto of saying that discipline is freedom, you know, adversity is freedom for me. Discipline, you know, it's the same way of saying the same thing. It's just, sorry, it's a different way of saying the same thing, which is that if I can engineer things to be difficult, then I'm going to find freedom within that because the freedom is in creating a better version of myself that was better than the person the day before. So, and this now will help us go into happiness. So I hope that enlightened this thing of, well, how are you going to get better? right? Well, make harder decisions. Ask yourself to make harder decisions every day. You get better for sure. Let me reset this camp. Also, I just wanted to wrap up what happens after the cold shower, just for those of you that are really interested now in doing the cold shower shit. So basically, no hesitation, no procrastination, just go straight into the cold water. You cannot turn the hot on until you can stand in the cold and you're fully adapted. So there is no saving. And this is the way that I get to in my mind is that if you're having to turn the hot water on, because it's relief and it's saving you. Nope, you haven't stayed in long enough. You have to be able to stay in the cold water and get fully entrenched and fully drenched to the point where it's pretty much nothing, where you could literally, basically in your mind, just say to yourself, could I do this for the rest of my life? Like in this one moment, if I was asked to stand in this shower for the rest of my life, could I do that? Right? When you get to that stage, then you can either peace out from the shower or you can turn it on to the hot. Now, what I've been doing is because this follows on to the rest of the morning routine is that once I get to that stage, then I turn full cold off and go full hot. And I do that for like 10 seconds just so I can get my core body temperature back up to go into stretching and ring work. Now, that's a different thing. That's just what I, I just wanted to finish up on that. But yeah, the water actually plays very little of what that exercise is about. The water is like, it's like secondary. It's like the, the main thing is getting yourself into it, right? getting out of bed. That's the hardest part of it. So that's the creation process that I find has been helping me the most uh, to create myself, right? Myself. Myself is created through each and every day laying new bricks, laying new bricks in my temple, sharpening it up, sharpening that blade. I like to refer to it as for those of you on the gram, right? Sharpening that blade, hashtag sharpen the blade. And so now let's maybe like dive into happiness, I guess. If you, if you just want to even ask me right now, where do I get happiness from? Well, hold on. We need to break it up into two things because really there's biological happiness and then there's, I guess maybe you want to call it philosophical happiness or maybe spiritual happiness or maybe happiness that cannot be explained via scientific method. There's two different ways of looking at it. If you read books like Sapiens and Homodeus, or Homodeus, however you want to say it, which I've got right here next to me, he'll, he'll go into these ideas and it'll fuck with you. Because there is the argument that happiness is purely the concoction of chemicals. And that happiness can be generated through chemicals. And that's what, you know, you can see that through drugs. You can see that through 
uh, not just the hard drugs, but pharmaceutical drugs. And there's that, and I totally acknowledge that line of work, and there's so much more research to be done. There's definitely no definitive answer yet. Anyone who comes at me with a definitive answer of this is exactly what happiness is, I'm going to have to oh, hang on a second. Hang on a second, because for me, until you can explain how the universe was created and how it first began and why, there will always be room for the spiritual and philosophical explanation of happiness and the philosophical and spiritual explanation of a reason for living. Until, because that's where science falls short. And it will always fall short. Well, I can't say it always. For for all of our time up until now has fallen short. Maybe there'll be a day. Maybe there'll be a day where they can explain exactly why this universe was created. And then I will def- then I'll look at that. I'll, when that day comes, I'll look at that and I'll be more than willing to lay down my cognitive biases and go, okay, well, let me look at this again because I'm not attached to any one idea. I'm not attached to any one idea of, okay, no, it's definitely biological. Happiness is just a biological concoction. And then if I get this certain balance of dopamine and this certain balance of serotonin and I get my melatonin hidden at this time of night, then I'll be happy, right? I'm not 100% on that. And I'm also not 100% on, well, you can just derive happiness from being present at all times and going down the spiritual and going down the philosophical because I don't know anyone who can be present at all times. And now when you know, when you break down what the word presence means, and if you really just want to look at that, the absence of thought, the absence of the absence of, of your subjective I, capital I, interpreting and judging the moment at hand and actually losing all sense of I and just being connected to what's happening right now. These states, these transcendent states that you will experience through heavy meditation, through heavy use of things like DMT, psilocybin, uh, MDMA, that type of stuff, any magic mushrooms, you know, anything that takes you to a transcendence level, transcendent level that removes the eye that is witnessing what's happening right now. You know, anyone who's been through that, and I haven't done any psychedelic uh, drugs, I haven't done any psychedelics whatsoever, but I've been heavily meditating for quite some time, and I have certainly reached several, several of those peak moments where you completely lose sense of whoever Adam is. And you're just, you're just now, like you're just here. You're just, you're the absence of all subjective perspective and it's just right over whatever's happening right now. I've had that through a lot of meditation. You know, people who do Kundalini also talk about that. So, but I'm also not a hundred percent on that. You could be truly happy just living that because I feel like this life is far too complicated for that. You know, it's like, if you could. Because both have their great arguments. Both have their great... Well, what if, you, what if you just haven't reached the peak state of that, Adam? That's what the spiritual people would say. Well, what if you could just live in that all the time? What if you could completely dissolve your ego 100% and you could just live in the absolute presence of right now all the freaking time? Then you would have no problems. Then maybe you'd have no problems. Well, maybe. But am I willing to sacrifice what society has brought us as human beings? Am I willing to detach from all the incredible shit that I can do through the process of thought in order to live in that state. At this current stage in my life, no. So I have to maintain and somehow oscillate and find my own happiness between mark, mark checking off the biological markers of what we know hap- of what is a happy state for the human body, which is a certain level of brain chemistry, which is a certain level of physical well-being, which is a certain level of psychological well-being right? All of those things, right? Eating right, training your body right, lowering levels of stress, 
getting to bed at the right times, making sure you get restorative sleep, right, in the non-REM. And so there's that. But then there's also, I also know people that go hard on that, if you want to just sum that up into biohacking, I know people that go hard into that that also really lack, really lack. And when things like such as death, when things like death, when things like, like really troubling things hit them, when the more esoteric and more, the more, the more, uh, what's the word? What's the way, what am I trying to say here? What I'm trying to say is, you can use the word philosophical, when the more, that's not the word I'm looking for though, it's uh, Frankel, help me out Frankel. It's the, um, there you go, existential, bang, there you go, thank you, thank you Dr. Frankel. When the more existential crisis happens in someone's life, you can't just, well, as far as I've seen, you can't just rely on the external material-based sense of interpreting things. It seems that when it comes to the existential crisis, having a philosophical understanding of who you think you are as a person in relation to yourself, this world, other people, your interpretation of death, your interpretation of what even this world is and how this universe came to be, that is extremely important for a human being as well. That is extremely important. And that that plays a big factor into someone's level of happiness, how they grew through this life, viewing themselves. You know, you want to talk about self-esteem. You want to talk about levels of fulfillment, levels of happiness, level of connectedness to other people around them. Right? When I look at people that have high levels of everything I just mentioned, they also, if not have a deep understanding, they have some understanding, or they are at least willing to entertain some understanding of what this world is and the more philosophical, the more existential conversations around this life. So it's not one or the other. And I know we went down a really unusual, maybe not unusual because everything about this pot is unusual. Everything about this world is unusual. Nothing's normal, <laughs> right? Everything's, everything's an absurdity. The fact that we're even alive is absurd. But maybe I didn't go down the path you thought I would go down. So maybe I want to retrack here. I think we went deep. I think I just, instead of going to like 10, 20, 30 feet deep, I think we went straight down to the 100 feet. So 100 foot. So let me, let me just recap his message here. You know, and happiness in general. You know, so yeah, so um, yeah, I wasn't that far off. Chill, mate. Chill, bro. I wasn't that far off. So is, is there anything else then? Do I want to wrap it up there? Do I want to wrap it up there? Well, let's just look at what we talked about. We talked about, yeah, there's a physical way of definitely engineering more happiness in your life in terms of just having a healthier body. A healthier body is definitely happier from a neurological level, biochemistry, but also from if you're not in pain, you're going to have a better chance of being happier. If you're not carrying around an extra 100 kilos of excess body fat, your body is going to feel lighter. Your body is going to move better. Your, your joints Right, and then so, and then your digestive system, which plays a huge role, a huge role in managing your hormones. Right, if that's intact, you're gonna feel happier for sure. It's not everything though. It's not everything. It's a big part of it though. Big part of it. <laughs> it's a big part of it. Sorry, that's always at the door. But uh, so you gotta have the philosophical as well. And so I'm always, if you guys just want to look at me, I'm trying to do as much as I can on the physical well-being of my temple and the mental well-being of my temple, but I'm also going just as hard in the purpose level of my temple. That's why I'm meditating. That's why I'm ruminizing and exploring all the different potentials of this world and what this life really could be and all these different perspectives on life and trying to get that from different people at different times at different stages of life. You know, I'm, I'm in all that. I'm in all of it. It's like, give me a slice. Give me a slice, man. Give me a slice of this life and I will check it out. 
I'm not married to anything. And if you just want to ask me, it's like, what about you, Adam? Are you happy? Absolutely. Every single day. Every single day. And it's not to say that I don't have headaches. Like, well, things that could cause potential headaches and things that, you know, when shit hits the fan. But when shit hits the fan, it never gets me down. Whenever I see a shitty comment, whenever I see a shitty comment on one of my videos uh, or anything like that, or someone sends me a shitty DM, which happens very infrequently on Instagram, but or if someone just does something shitty, right? It never, I never allow it to affect me on any level of depth, right? I don't lose sleep over that shit. I maintain a very steady level of happiness. Like if I was to do the clicker thing where, uh, uh, hold up, I'm not going to be able to finish the story in time. Let me, let me reset this camp. So the story I was trying to say there was the clicker thing, that this is a big study done on happiness, like a really long study done on happiness, that basically they just gave people, not clickers, they gave them buzzers. And every time they buzzed them at intermittent random times of the day, they had to record their subjective level of happiness. And they just did this across a really, really long period of time. I'm not sure how long it was, but it's a pretty big study and it's a very well-referenced study. It's one of the big happiness studies. And across many different races, many different uh, nations as well. So large, a large uh, sample size. And if you were to give me that buzzer and I had to record my subjective level of happiness at different times of the day, right, on a scale of 0 to 10, 0 being absolutely depressed and 10 being absolutely overjoyed, I would say I sit at somewhere as a natural default around an 8.5. Maybe, like, maybe closer to a 9, an 8.5 to 9. I am so enthused with life. I am so grateful for the fact that I am even alive that that always keeps me at somewhere around an 8, 8.5, around there. Now, that's at a default. Forget everything else. Forget all the other awesome shit that happens in my life and the people that I get to meet and even just, just, just everything, even the food, just down to the smallest shit, like the food that I eat, the cold shower in the morning, the fact that I even made it through that shit, right? All of that is bonus. That often keeps me at a 10 out of 10. That stuff, like you might catch me at 10 out of 10 quite a lot during my the day-to-day. But at a bare minimum, if you were to just take my absolute average, it would be like an 8.5 to 9 in terms of what I feel like is, is happiness to me because and it really comes down to the fact that I'm just so grateful to be alive. That's really it. It's that I maintain a macro-level perspective each and every single day, multiple times throughout the day, for sure before I go to bed, but at every single meal, at every single juncture throughout the day, I always remind myself that it's pretty damn near impossible that I'm even experiencing this right now. Like on a mathematical level, you know, one of Gary Vee's favorite references, you know, trillion to one, you know, there might, there's like a rough, rough ballpark statistic that's about a trillion to one statistic of you being born a human being. Out of all the different things you could have been born as, it's about trillion to one, right? So the fact that you're even alive, it's quite ridiculous. That always keeps me happy because then no shitty comment on YouTube, no fallen through business deal, no girl that got upset about me having a cut off a casual relationship or no girl that got upset about me not wanting to go into a monogamous relationship or no thing with my family or no thing with that guy cutting me off on the street or no thing with this thing not being available down at the health food store. Nothing. Nothing could take me out of the perspective of that. Well, I'm just blessed to even be experiencing that. Even that. And this comes back to um, this comes back to the gift versus burden mentality. Now, this is something I was discussing with a client of mine. I'm not going to mention his name here uh, because I he knows who he is. But I've just explained, and for you, we did a whole entire Skype call on this. 
this idea of the gift versus burden mentality. I've just explained how I can interpret every single experience in my life as a gift. I never view anything in my life as a burden, no matter how challenging it may be. And let me take this to the full extreme, because then some of you might be saying, well, maybe, maybe for all these small things you're discussing, Adam, but what about, what about death? What about like the big shit? Even then, even then, when my best mate passed away, the guy that I was riding this journey up, right? Shout out to Matt, wherever you are, right? When he took his own life and he left this world for many, for different reasons to do with his psychosis that happened, right? It's still a gift to me. It's still a gift because I became a better version. I became a better person because of having to go through that process and having to level up my perspective and look at the beauty of life and look at the lessons that he taught me and look at all the amazing things that happened as a result of me even knowing Matt and that I got, I was privy at a young age to go through this experience of losing your best friend and and even that term losing, it's not even my vocabulary, right? Having to be alive when someone else passes on through and getting to rise up to that challenge. Like that's a challenge to rise up to. That's not something to get you know, beat down from. And Matt wouldn't want me going through that either. You know, for sure, for sure that if his roles reversed and I was the one who left this life, I wouldn't match, wouldn't Matt just like sitting around just like fuck life. You know, this life is such a burden. My best friend's got, no, I would want Matt to look at my passing away as a gift. Well, Matt, here's a challenge for you. Here's a challenge for you to become a better version. Here's a challenge for you to become the type of person that could guide your son one day, that could guide your daughter through this one day, that could guide your friends through this one day, that could become a beacon of light that shows others because you rose to the challenge of dealing with your emotions, dealing with your life perspective when someone so close to you left this life. That to me is the gift. The gift is that, the gift is not, because like life is supposed to end. Everything in this world is supposed to end. And when I say end, end in transition, in that not everything stays the same, in that everything should change, evolve, evolution. You know, that's why, and I hope he might not be listening to this potter, but if he is, that's really what I mean by the the gift versus burden mentality and how life is a perspective. Life is a choice. You choose to view every single thing in life as a gift or as a burden. Make no mistake, it's a choice. Is it a harder choice for some others? Yeah, yeah, based on their environment, based on the people they live with, based on their biochemistry they were born with, based on the fact that their mother was smoking when then when they were in the womb, that might make it harder for them to make these, these connections that I'm making in my mind. I get that. Everyone's dealt with a different hand in life, but make no mistake, it is still a choice. Harder and easier for some? Yeah, it's still a choice though. It's still a choice. So the reason why I went so hard on this is because he was struggling with the idea of trying to view that it's possible, that it's even possible to view every experience in life as a gift. And I'm here to say that, hey, listen, even if you can't see that, use me as an example. Because I tell you, I, straight to the straight, straight from my core, straight from the core of my heart, is that even to the most extreme of things, such as death, I view that as a gift. I view that as a gift in the grandest and most incredible of ways that I'm so lucky to have been alive to even experience that. So that is where I'm going to wrap this up because that's me, man. That's me. I can't say too much more about happiness. I tr- I stayed real political at the beginning, but then I dived into the personal shit at the end. In that happiness for me isn't just being alive. It's just being alive because by all accords of things, 
by all reasonings, I shouldn't be alive. None of you should be alive. None of this should be happening. Like it's, it's so ridiculous that this life is happening. I can't do nothing but smile. And that's all you're seeing from me if you're on YouTube. And that's where I'm going to wrap up this potto. So I thank you guys so much for listening. Oh, man. If you, I'm, I'm going to go reverse right now. If you got anything from this potto, please share it with someone else. That's more important to me than anything else. Uh, the greatest way that you could pay me back if you felt like you got value from this is to share it with someone else. That, to me, is the greatest thing you could do for me personally. Because if there's other lost people, if there's one lost person, I'm sure there's other lost people as well. So I'm now going in the, the normal order of things when I finish Potter, here's these plugs. If you guys want to dive in deeper with me, I've got an ebook. It's a crash course to kick-ass day game. It's basically 24, 26 pages. It's an action guide. What I teach students on bootcamp, they get it before bootcamp to prepare them for bootcamp. And a no bullshit system to day game meeting goes out on the street. Links to that ebook down below. It's boldojo.com. Links in the YouTube. You can pick that up. Do not spend your time reading that. Please go out and do a 30-day challenge as soon as you finish reading it. It's an action guide. Then next level, next tier down, booking one-on-one Skype calls. We go deep. We go hard on that shit. If you want me to break down your infields, uh, there's an option for that on the website. You can attach that option. When you go to book your Skype calls, you can add those. You can see the price per infield breakdown for that. I get to review them. Context, context. It makes the Skype call more in-depth. You can book those on the website. And also the HD recordings, if you want to record, have that session. So you don't have to worry about taking notes in session. Have it for life. You can also attach that on the website. That's one-on-one Skype calls. Deep shit. I love that. And then the deepest, the deepest tier, which we've been doing a whole host of lately, is the boot camps. Right? The day game boot camp. If you really feel like you're at the stage in life where, hey, I'm fed up with this shit. I actually need to change myself and I need to get the path enlightened for me. I need to get the path illuminated for me of what work needs to be done. That's what Bootcamp's for. It's for the hardcore. It's for those of you that want to get serious. Serious inquiries only. That's all through the website, boldojo.com. And that's it. If you guys enjoyed this video slash podcast, drop a thumbs up on the video down below on the podcast. Drop a comment whether you're on iTunes or on... uh, or a review. Actually, a rating. If you guys are listening to this on iTunes, rate it. Give me the five star, baby. Give me the five star or whatever star you think it's worth. And then, and then, uh, Castbox, you can drop comments. Website, you can drop comments. And what else is there? Oh, yeah, finally. On, uh, the best place for you guys to engage with me and the best place for you guys to catch up with me is Instagram. That's at UiTang1, double UiTang1. I've been doing the ring muscle up. I've created this challenge for myself where I've been learning ring muscle-ups. I've been doing it every day and I will be doing it every day for 30 days in a row. So that's going on on Instagram. I'm posting tons of awesome shit on Instagram all the time. So hit me up there. Facebook after that, at the Adam Ui. And then Snapchat after that, it's just at Ui Tang. But Instagram, at Ui Tang 1. So that's been this potter. Finding yourself, nah, fuck that. Create yourself. True happiness, what it is for me, it's just being alive. That's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'll catch you guys real soon. Yeah, now.